You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human, with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you know about my project running in July called The Everyday Difference. Every day of the month, you'll hear from a different creative or business owner, who is making a difference in the world, no matter how tiny, no matter how quietly. And my hope is that these stories will empower and embolden us all to believe that our work matters and to give us the courage to share that work with the world. If that sounds like something that would be of interest to you, go to theeverydaydifference.com for more information and to sign up to the project. I can't wait to share it with you. Now, on to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Creatively Human. This interview today is part of my Everyday Difference series, which is sharing stories of creatives who are making a difference in the world, no matter how small or behind the scenes. And the guest today is Sarah Tasker, and we talked about so much. We talked especially about the importance of showing up as yourself online, being honest about the things that you feel comfortable to be honest about, connecting with people over shared worries and insecurities or health issues. We talked about influencers and their responsibility, ways in which you can use your influence for good. We also talked a bit about Instagram itself and how, although it's often considered to be a bit fake or shallow, how we actually see it as a really positive tool in so many ways and one that does have the ability to make a difference. Sarah has her birds with her for the first part of this interview, which they sound really lovely singing away, but at one point they did get a bit too loud, so she had to move them out. But after that, the audio is completely clear. So yeah, I hope you don't mind listening to the birds in the background but it'll be totally worth it this was such a good interview and I feel like we got quite deep with some of the topics so enjoy hi Sarah thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me it's lovely to be talking to everyone I'm sure that most of my listeners already know you but just in case can you start by letting us know a bit about you and what you do Sure. So I blog and Instagram and everything else we will do online under me and Ola. Ola is my daughter. Um, I also have a podcast called Hashtag Authentic and now a best-selling book of the same name. And my focus is really on helping people to tell stories online, whether that's through pictures or words, but it's especially on Instagram because I'm super nerdy about that platform. I love the way you said you have a best-selling book that's amazing I know I know (laughs) it feels it feels kind of wanky to say it out loud but at the same time I'm like no I need to own this because how often in life do you get these these amazing adventures yeah yeah exactly Um, I'm going to come back to that in a second so as you know um, this interview is part of a special series that I'm doing talking about the ways in which we're making an everyday difference with the work that we do And obviously, I think that the way that you show up online is making an everyday difference. And let's start by talking about the book, I suppose, and like owning that success. And I don't know what it must have taken you some mindset shifts and things going on behind the scenes to get to this place where you can just say, yes, I have a best selling book. So many. The whole journey of my business has been nothing but radical mindset shifts. (laughs) And I think that's kind of one of the key messages in in everything I do, because 
I, I always had the skills. I always had the ability to do what I'm doing now. But what I didn't have was the mindset and the self-belief and the confidence and the understanding. And I think that holds so, so many of us back because the way we are raised, the way we're socialized, the way the education system sets us up, it doesn't really give us the tools we need to actually make the best of, of what we've been given. Totally agree, totally agree. And I think it's like, that's why... I love the way that you share so openly about the work that you're doing. Like, for example, I really, really loved um, this article that you wrote for Stylist magazine about being the breadwinner in your marriage and how it changed your relationship. Yeah, that was one of the most vulnerable things I've ever written. I have kind of a bit of a golden rule, which is I don't share things publicly like online until I feel pretty sorted about in my own head because it's a really safe way then to like be detached from whatever response it gets. You know, it's not going to screw you up. But this article, it felt like I needed to write it kind of from, from in the trenches because I don't know if I'll ever fully, you know, have have the answers. It's so complicated when. So in my in my marriage, the roles have literally switched. It used to be that my husband was the breadwinner, and I was kind of stuck on this NHS salary that didn't quite pay my bills. And we both thought that was it for life. And then everything flipped, and he now works for me. And I'm the breadwinner, and um, that's had a huge impact on the dynamics of our relationship. And luckily, he's a fantastic uh, feminist man, and, and he's taken it all in his stride. And we, we work through it. There are not many role models for a relationship where that's the case. And I know you've had Jen Carrington on the show before, and she's in a similar position. And she and I get together quite often and just talk through it because when you've not been raised and you've not seen the world around you working this way, it's surprising how often it can trip you up. I totally agree because I'm in that position as well. And I've done coaching with Jen, and it often comes back to that topic because I just, and like you said, you've written it from the trenches because we don't have it figured it out figured out I mean there's not that many people doing it sorry my, my bird is singing the Adam family in the background <laughs> <laughs> right so I was saying yeah I personally find it hard to talk about sometimes and obviously there's a lot of like rubbish reasons for that you know like oh how will they judge the men how will people judge you know the men in the relationships and obviously like with my husband and yours I mean they are like feminist men and they accept it and stuff but I still worry about it and I still find it difficult to talk about so I just I appreciate it so much when I hear people like you talking about it and the way you wrote that was so honest I really appreciated that I think we do have to talk about it because that's the only way I know through through complicated feelings is like dig in talk about it hear what people have to say and yes it might mean that we're making mistakes but I think the mistakes are part of the process Mm -hmm. exactly and as women as well, it's kind of, it brings up that subject of talking about money as well, doesn't it? And yes. I suppose a lot of us aren't really used to talking about that. No, I think there's so many layers out there to why talking about money feels terrifying and shameful. And a lot of it is just this whole, you don't talk about money, money is seen and not heard, isn't it? And I, I still feel messed up about money, so I'm sure everyone reading it does as well, and you're kind of treading on landmines of people's feelings all over the place. I know that you've shared a bit about um, your money in the past, like in sort of general terms, but also sometimes quite specifically, uh, specific numbers, and I'd love to ask you a bit about why why it's so important for you to share that way, even though it's difficult. 
terrifying. All of my scariest things are related to sharing about money. Um, I wanted to do it because there are so many people, and it is mainly women who I speak to, who have these dreams and they have these ambitions, but they have nothing tangible to say that it's possible. So they're like maybe trying to tell their husband or their partner or whoever, that they, they think that this idea they've got might have potential, but they've got no real evidence except that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. They've got no model that they can hold up and say, here's an example of someone who did it and did it well. So I wanted to kind of put out this number, not because everybody needs to make a six-figure income. Like most people, we don't need to make six figures to make it work. But to really say, look, this is how much is possible. And if this is possible for me, imagine what's possible for you. If you just need to make £20,000 a year so that you can leave that job and make your dream full time, it really is possible. And it's not just pie and stone. I think also sometimes people are afraid to admit that they actually want to make more money because it seems a bit I don't know it doesn't seem like a good thing but I've read loads of statistics about this and how women actually spend their money like really wisely and they actually do good with it I mean not that you have to do anything with it but it's really interesting to think about the power that you can have if you earn more money totally that was one of the things that really kind of helped heal my relationship with earning more because yeah I'd always kind of associate people with with big salaries I think I'd assume they were, you know, very right wing. Mm-hmm. Like I had a definite caricature in my head of people who were earning six figures. And then and then found myself in that position myself and, and was really confronted by it. Like I'm a bit of a socialist. Why have I got this money and everyone else hasn't? Um there's a book by Jen Sincero called You Are a Badass and she talks in that about um how actually the power structure in the world that we live in is based around the people with money are the people who get to make decisions and have influence and who change the world. And actually what we do need is more people who think like we do, kind of stepping into that arena as part of the way that we make change. And that really felt good to me, that kind of gave me the permission to say, actually, yeah, like I can be visible and I can be making a decent wage and then I can be having positive influence in ways I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Um, and that just that just shows why it's so important for people to see people like you doing it because you're definitely not like one of the rich men in suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't fit many of many of those stereotypes or <laughs> tick any of those boxes. I don't think. Have you had any negative response from sharing this kind of stuff? Bits and pieces. I think, like I said earlier, I've come to realise it kind of it's more about how it makes other people feel than it mm. is really about you're saying because we all have so many hang-ups around money that it's it's inevitable that for some people it's going to make them feel uncomfortable um and it's probably the thing I've received the most the strongest negative response to out of everything I've ever shared but it's still only been you know a handful of voices and I've always been able to kind of see it for the bigger picture of what that means so have you managed to sort of overcome the fact that you've received a negative response and keep doing what you're doing because I suppose it matters more to you than what individual people think about it? Exactly, yeah. So, like, for example, I think it's my most commented Instagram post ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember how many hundreds, but let's say there was, like, 500 comments. And within that, there was maybe two two or three negative ones. And it is so human. Like, I'm sure on the the night that it happened, I was, like, obsessed with those three negative comments but there's there's 500 people there who who helped who really needed to hear it 
and who've taken that away and use it to inspire whatever it is they want to do next. And that was always the point. So you kind of, you have to train your brain to pay attention to the good as well as the bad. I think for me, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I find it easier to, not that I have like a massive following, so I don't deal with this so much, but I worry more, I suppose, about what people in my real life are going to think about it. Do you have that worry? I guess I've I've kind of built my real life so that yeah, I'm surrounded by people whose opinions I really really value. Mm. So in every way, yeah, they, it means so much to me what the people in my real life around me will think. But I also most of the time know if I stop to think, or oh, what would like Helen think about this, or what would Joe think about this, I can say pretty definitely that I can predict pretty definitely what they would say about whatever it is I'm sharing. And I think that that's a really strong way to come at things because rather than outsourcing whether or not what we're saying has any value to everyone on the internet, which is just too huge a pool and you're never going to be able to please everybody. Instead, considering, okay, what does this handful of core people who whose values align with, my, with mine, who love me, who understand me, what will they think about what I'm doing? And if you kind of can get the go-ahead from them, then you know you're staying on, on track to who you want to be. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love what you said about... The, like describing it as outsourcing the way you feel about things to other people that's exactly it isn't it and it's so easily done yeah yeah and has it taken you a while to get to this place where you know whose opinions matter and whose don't oh absolutely yeah um I was someone who spent far too much time worrying about what everybody else thought kind of to the detriment of what I really felt, thought and felt everyone else came mm. first and it was ridiculous it would be like I can remember um, I'd had coaching with Sass Petherick around all this stuff. I know she's been on your podcast before as well. It all joins up. Um, and I had this like real worry that the other mums at my daughter's school would judge me because I always had the mums that come loud in my car when I pulled up to drop her off. And that like was really causing me consternation and worry at the time. And now I look back yeah. and I think that that's pretty hilarious. But yeah. that was where I was kind yeah. of three or four years ago. I was in this place where everyone else's opinions matter so if you can kind of expand that to the internet and and I was constantly trying to like dodge bullets and make sure that I was pleasing everybody and it's exhausting and also impossible yeah yeah I, I would say I've felt the same and it really helps me to hear people talking about it and I wonder has your journey with Instagram and sharing your creative stuff online has that actually helped in some way for you to overcome that way of thinking I think it really has Instagram for me has been like a therapy tool right mm. from the beginning because it allowed me to sort of safely explore these things um in a, in a way that I can kind of control and in a way that feels like my comfort zone I feel most at home on the internet like I've talked about this on my blog before but you know there's introverts and there's extroverts I think there's a third category which I call web introverts <laughs> yeah. which is people who are most at ease online and fill up from that online engagement Instagram for me has been this place where I can kind of test my boundaries I think the beginning zero self-belief and zero kind of permission to to try anything Instagram was the first step of people going we like what you're doing please do some more of it and kind of gradually stepping out into that world and, and this is one of the arguments I always have when people say oh social media is really fake and people yeah. are all pretending to be somebody else because I think if you speak to most people they are they are most worried about the people in their real life following them online and judging them for it and they're not really worried about strangers judging them and I think there's this kind of dynamic where are able to be our most true and full self online we're able to kind of explore yeah. elements of our creativity or our personality 
that we're too scared to do in real life and that's why we're frightened of what the mums at the school gate or um, you know the people we used to work with will think if they find our Instagram accounts not because it's fake it's because it's vulnerable and it shows something more that we are not ready to show in our real life. Yes oh I love the way you just put that because I think that is exactly how I feel it's and that's why there's the fear of the real life stuff because you don't feel not with everyone obviously but with some people you don't feel able to be your full self yeah that's exactly it isn't it exactly and so then instagram becomes a tool where you get to put that vulnerable full self out into the world and bit by bit you get feedback on it all the terrible things that we secretly thought might happen yeah and then we're able to kind of start to carry that over and generalize that into real life and for me that's been completely true is it Instagram has been a really pivotal and essential tool in me accepting and embracing and connecting with who I really am underneath all those layers and starting to let that kind of be my reality. Yes, yeah, I love it. And also, I think the thing is, when you are vulnerable on Instagram, you realise that other people have the same worries and concerns as you. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's that powerful, like, me too. Obviously, me too has a, a new meaning now, but that, that feeling of, um, you're not alone and actually any struggle any problem you're going through is going to be relatable to somebody else it's like something like seven billion active Instagram users and there's just no way you're going to be alone in whatever you're going through there's someone else out there usually a lot of people out there who are facing something similar yeah yeah and it's often not until you actually talk about it or you hear someone else talk about it that you realise how many people actually go through the same thing. It's just, I suppose, in day-to-day life, sometimes we don't talk about these things. Yeah, and sometimes you don't even recognise it in yourself until yeah, you hear someone yeah. else say it, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's it. That's what was happening for me. And you're right, these conversations don't happen in, in day-to-day life, especially if we're all so busy. You meet up with friends, and like once you've got kids, you don't even finish a single conversation. You just start yeah. them all and then get distracted. And online, there's just this space for this, and and it feels a lot more natural there. And I think it's really valuable. I think it's helping us all grow and move forward in ways that has been harder, kind of historically, because we don't have the time as a group to socialise and talk about the nitty-gritty stuff. Um, Actually, today, I just posted on Instagram, it's, it's my one year anniversary with my account. Congratulations. Thank you. And I actually started it when I took your Insta Retreat course, which I definitely recommend to everyone, just as a side note. I remember. But yeah, um, and I was sort of reflecting on it and I was thinking, because I do sometimes think I'm on social media too much and it does sometimes contribute to me feeling a bit of anxiety and stuff. But overall, Mm -hmm. when I reflect on it, I'm just so glad. I mean, I was on Instagram before, but only like as a lurker. So I'm so Mm. glad that I started posting and started meeting people. And I've actually met some of these people in real life. And that is something I never thought I would do because I'm kind of shy and introvert and everything. But yeah, it's I've reflected on it and thought it's been such a positive influence on my life. And it's so important to remember that because there is so much talk about, you know, the negative effects of social media. And it is important, but it's so important to reflect on the positive side of it as well. I totally agree. And and you're right. Like It's a double-edged sword for sure. And there's so many ways it can make us and make us anxious or bring negativity into our life but I actually think one of the tools for coping with that is to stop and look at the positives as well that it's bringing into your life because then you can be a lot more intentional and be like okay these are the things that I get out of social yeah. media and I need to focus on doing more of that and less of the stuff you know the 
the ex, the stalking your exes or the you know looking at bikini models or whatever it is that that stirs up the more negative feeling yeah yeah and also going back to your sort of philosophy of creativity I mean when I did your insta retreat course at first I thought oh my god I'm just like there's so many amazing photographers here and I'm not one of them but actually I have fun just taking photos of like flowers or whatever and it's fun for me and it makes me appreciate these little moments in real life outside as well and yeah Instagram it gives us that permission to try to share to look at the world around us and be like okay what part of this is beautiful enough for me to take a minute and snap a picture and yeah totally it's like trained my eye to the everyday beauty around me and now I'm the one who's like stops the car on the roadside road and dives out to take pictures of dandelions or whatever and previously I would have just driven past so it can be a negative but it can definitely bring positives and that kind of again like that a daily mail headline of like you know everyone on holiday looking through their phones and taking pictures and supposedly not appreciating it for me stopping and taking the picture makes me appreciate it even more yeah yeah exactly and and knowing when to put the phone away sometimes is fine you can have both yeah Mm. yes going back to how you've built up this sort of community around yourself and how it's led to everything that you now do I mean I feel like building a business around you whoever you are as a person and showing up that way as yourself is a way of kind of doing some good in the world I mean we've already touched on it a bit but um, I think especially as a woman and taking up that space and and in your case you have a chronic illness and I think it's so important that you're sharing all these elements of your journey as long as you're comfortable with that Um, it sounds like the dream situation building this business around you and who you are and what you need but what are some of the difficulties that have come up for you as you've kind of stepped up and shown up fully as yourself online um yeah because I never really set out to build a business like this it was really organic it grew quite naturally so I kind of found myself in this position where I built a business and, and I'm still very visible at the heart of it um and so that with that comes lots of kind of vulnerabilities and moments of self-doubt. So like one of one of the things that I really struggle with is obviously like I've got however many hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And with that comes influence and with influence is a healthy dose of responsibility. Yep. And yeah, I'm still learning. Like I don't have all the answers to everything. And of course, there's going to be times when I say the wrong thing or I screw up online and we live in this era now where everyone's kind of hyper vigilant to that. And I don't want to be somebody who is influencing people with the wrong kind of message. So mm-hmm. it's that feeling of like you need to be 10 steps ahead of yourself before you put anything on the internet, which is difficult when you're also trying to be vulnerable and honest at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there's also something I think in when you are at the center of your business, people quite rightly expect to connect with you in anything you do um which makes it really difficult if you want to scale something up or perhaps like maybe a course that can be passive so I teach lots of classes online but there's models business models that lots of other people use where they write a class they get all the content for it and then people sign up and it kind of runs itself Mm -hmm. and, and they don't get involved I find that doesn't really work for me because most people who sign up to one of my classes have connected with me as a person so they're looking to continue that connection with me and to to see me as an active part of it so it's kind of been a learning curve around what people's expectations become when you are part of the message of your business 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can see how that would be difficult because I've only got a tiny account, but when I've done certain things on Instagram and that, even just the DMs are enough for me to, to keep up with. Like, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it can get really overwhelming. And then add into that, like, a chronic health condition, like, yeah. I'm not necessarily able to show up with the same level of energy day in, day out. So it's all just kind of slightly tricky ground to navigate and find your way across. Have you... Um, implemented any boundaries that are helping you sort of know what to share and how much of yourself to give to other people? Um, I'm still, I would say I'm still learning. I'm always learning. Um, I've recently, someone on my podcast suggested this and I've recently given myself a daytime phone, like a work phone and a personal phone, which means in the evening, I don't get any notifications through on my personal phone. I don't have emails on there and it just helps me create more of a firm boundary because for me like hanging out on online is a leisure activity as well as a work activity and I might want to check Instagram in the daytime as a work kind of uh you know like posting or whatever else is part of my business but I might also just want to go and catch up with friends and, and it's a blurry line so having the two separate phones kind of helps me get into two separate mindsets and think about how I'm using my time a bit more mindfully. I love that idea so does that I mean, do you have the Instagram app on both of them or do you just not go on it in the evenings? I have it on both of them, but tend to be like, okay, I'm on my personal phone, yeah. so don't go into the DMs, don't don't go into the work stuff. Kind of it's like it's a bit of a mindset shift just somehow in having the different phone in my hand and I think not having any notifications is really helpful. Um, and I know there's no point going into my inbox because I've not got my calendar and, and all the other things I need to follow up on messages that might be in there. So mm, yeah. um, it's much more of a social thing. And actually, like I try and spend my leisure time online more and more, I try and spend it away from Instagram and in different yeah. places like Reddit, just so that kind of demarcation is a bit more clear. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important for your sort of creativity as well, not to just be focused on one place like that and and just have a break from it, I suppose. Definitely. And and because the reason I found and fell in love with Instagram kind of as an early adopter was because of this nerdy internet personality within me where I'm always kind of, oh, what's next? And trying out different places and hanging out in strange corners of the internet. So I feel like actually I have to honour that and continue that because who knows what the next around the corner it might lead me into some whole new facet of my business that I could never have predicted. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. Going back to boundaries, is there anything else that you have to put into place, especially like with your chronic illness and or perhaps even what you share to make it just feel good for you? Um, I guess I'm quite new to talking about my health online mm. and that, that kind of falls back to that thing I said earlier about I don't share really until I feel okay about it. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me quite a long time to feel okay enough to talk about it. And I do still have the sense of I, I don't want to be a sick person. I don't want that to be yeah. my, my kind of role in life, in real life or online. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll see a lot of pictures of me online where I'm like out and about or I'm in a field and those things happen, but they don't happen as statistically often as they do on my Instagram yeah. account. Um, what happens with like 90% of my time is I'm lying down on the sofa or in bed, but that would make for really boring content on my Instagram. And also like, that's not the bits of my life I want, want to remember. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a funny one because I'm all about authenticity and telling the truth, but I'm also 
hugely in favour of us, of us writing our own stories and putting across our truth as we want it to be. Um, mm. And for me, that's using maybe my words to tell the story, but I'm, I'm not I'm not super comfortable with the idea of people seeing me sick lying down all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm sure that your words are really helpful to other people, like whether they're going through it themselves or just, you know, understanding other people better. Yeah, I hope so. And I think even whether you have a chronic illness or not, I think there's a lot that you can relate to in um, in ill health. Like it's something we all have to deal mm-hmm. with and it's something we see in our loved ones. And it's something we're all really frightened of. And I think that's probably part of it for me is I've, you, you still are rejected a little bit by society if you're not well and you're not going to become well. People mm-hmm. don't like that. And... I'm probably on some level being mindful of the fact that people might not want to buy my products and might not relate to my business as much if they kind of put the the black mark on me of of sickness, which is a terrible thing Mm -hmm. and is maybe something I need to challenge within myself and with my own work. Mm -hmm. Um, But every experience I have in real life tells me that that's true and that people don't know what to do when when you tell them you're sick and you're not going to get better, which is what chronic illness means, it means you've got it for life, people find that really, really hard to compute. And that's when you get all the well-meaning advice to try and fix you because people just don't know what else to say. Yeah, I just think it goes back to what we were talking about, doesn't it? About just finding people online and talking about this stuff in a, in a more meaningful way. So not just like the day-to-day conversations where people give you what they think is a well-meaning comment, but actually talking about the reality of it yes definitely and and I've learned so much from other chronic illness kind of uh bloggers or just from the community online in general and it's really helped me to accept what's going on in my body and in my life so I can totally see how it would be a really valuable tool for anyone who's like got a loved one going through it or who just feels like they don't understand it I think it's something that there's, there's, it's not visible. You don't see these people out and about mm. because we're always in bed or we're stuck at home. And so it, it's really easy to forget it exists and never really understand it. Yeah. I actually just did a poll on my Instagram stories yesterday and I asked people how many of my followers have a an invisible mental or physical health issue and about 70% of the people said that they did, which I just uh-huh. thought that's such an important reminder that we just don't know like some people talk about it but most of us probably don't it's just such an important reminder I thought that's yeah that's huge actually you made me want to go and put the same poll up and yeah, see do it because I bet I bet that statistic carries through I bet it's true for for most of us because everyone's kind of struggling with something and how like how much are we all hiding it if 70% of people on Instagram are struggling with these things but nobody is really making it like it's not 70 percent of the content you see on Instagram is yeah, it no exactly exactly and it just kind of makes me think it just it just makes you stop and think you know before you judge someone or before you compare yourself to someone just we don't know what's going on no we really don't and I think it's also good to remember that before anyone you know before we lash out at anyone mm-hmm. online like mm-hmm. we don't know what they're going through and we're really only seeing a tiny, tiny window into their world. It's very easy to mistake that for the big picture. Mm, Definitely. Um, Because you've been quite open and honest about everything, do you find that your clients are understanding? Like if you had to reschedule something or anything like that, are people understanding of it? Yeah, and that's another good reason, I think, for being open and honest about these things Mm. in, in your business. 
because it's going to naturally kind of self-select the people who will understand and kind of understand the bigger picture of what's going on there versus the people who, for whatever reason, wouldn't find that an acceptable reason to have to reschedule, for example. But I mean, obviously I try my very best to not let it interfere with my workload, but Mm -hmm. realistically, especially with something like if you're scheduling kind of six weeks in advance, it's very difficult to predict how I'll be feeling in six weeks' time and what my body's going to be doing. Mm. I'm going to move on and talk a bit about influencers. Um, Mm. What do you think some of the ways in which influencers or micro-influencers can use their platform for good in terms of what they share or the brands they work with? Oh, good question. It's a Um, a big question. (laughs) It's a big question, yeah. I'm not sure how how much angle to go for first. Um, First of all, it goes back to the thing I was saying earlier, doesn't it, that if you're an influencer, you've acknowledged that you have influence, that you are in a position that's going to influence other people. So it definitely comes with that responsibility to find what it is that you're going to kind of advocate for and to make sure that you can stick with that. It's difficult with choosing brand work and I, I really feel for people who are kind of using this as their main source of income because mm-hmm. that was one of the things I did when I first left my job. I, was, I just relied on sponsored, sponsored brand work. And if you need to put food on the table and there's only two offers that come in this month and neither of them are ideal, it's not necessarily going to be possible for you to say, well, my principles dictate that I won't work with either of you because you've got to pay the bills. So in an ideal world, we'd be able to pick and choose. But if that's not possible, I still think it is possible for everything else you create for you to really create strong values and to, to... reinforce those and to really communicate those with your audience and actually I think people are a bit scared of doing that people feel like maybe it's going to alienate people maybe it's going to cause um controversy or debate but actually people really really respond to it because it's something real it's something we can connect to and our audiences nine times out of ten are an awful lot like us so if you can speak Mm. up for your political beliefs or the social causes that you're really passionate about, you're only going to attract other people who share your passions and who want to talk about these topics too. So true. And I do think it's important to yeah recognise that it's we're not all in the position to, to be turning down work, but even yeah, there's even small things that we can still do and share that help promote our values at the end of the day. Definitely. And so there's been times when I've worked with kind of bigger multinational corporations who maybe don't 100% align with my values. Mm-hmm. But within that, there's always a conversation you can have, you know, you, you have the, the ability to say to the brand, um, who else is on this campaign? Yeah. Like, have you gone for a, a really nice, diverse group of people in your influencer work so that it's not just all the same faces saying the same things? You can ask the questions that your audience are probably going to ask you about their environmental responsibilities or about how they're kind of making sure that they're paying fair wages and wherever they manufacture. Like you have a voice, you have an in to that company and they want you, you're the talent, they're the one that they don't want to lose this contact with you because you're going to be doing this work for them. So you have an awful lot of power in that situation and just sending these emails they're like little paper planes that you kind of shoot into the business and you don't really know where they're going to land but I always think it's worth sending them yeah yeah definitely and I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about when it comes to money and like earning money because then it gives you a bit of power in a world where even if you don't agree with everything you get that bit of power to influence something absolutely and yeah because once you've got a secure enough income then like it's kind of where I am that when these pitches come in I'm able to say okay no and this is why it's a no 
and these are the things that you've been doing as a business that don't align with my values and the values of my audience. Mm. And that is so powerful because I don't think a lot of the big multinationals get to hear that on a daily basis and, and they're recognizing the power of influencers and the power of social media. And they're kind of playing catch up and trying to find yeah. a foothold in it. Yeah. And so being able to kind of say, this is why you're going to get a lot of no's from people. This is, this is the thing that you're, you're not, you're not seeing for yourself feels really powerful. Yeah. And I can imagine it's just, it must be really great to have that confidence in saying it, that you don't need the work. So therefore you can say it and whatever they think of it is okay. You've said it. Absolutely. And I would say like to anyone who still does need the work, don't be afraid of saying what you need to say to the brand and don't be afraid of pushing back. There's plenty of ways to say it that's still really professional and mm. still preserves that working relationship and, and isn't going to burn any bridges. Mm. Um, a good PR manager, a good team within a brand is going to be really open and receptive to this kind of feedback because it's, it's valuable information. That's really useful advice. Um, I'm actually going to ask you a couple of parting questions and one of them sort <laughs> of ties into this but maybe you've got a different answer um the first one is what advice would you give to anyone who wants to make an everyday difference in the world no matter how small oh wow that's such a good question I think the best advice I can give you is to be yourself Hmm. um and to show up for the things that really really matter to you because that's where the energy and the enthusiasm and the momentum comes from it's when we give ourselves permission to fight for the battles that really mean something to us and instead of kind of trying to blend into whoever everyone else wants us to be if that makes sense yeah definitely I'm going to ask you another question off the back of that actually and how do you figure out who that is when there's just so much pressure from the outside world it's really tough I think we are taught from a really early age how to drown out that kind of voice within us that tells Mm. us who exactly we are and then for me at least adulthood has been a step-by-step journey of rediscovering it and reconnecting with it um I wish I had a really good soundbite for how you can just immediately reconnect (laughs) but I think it takes a lot of experimentation and it takes a lot of that thing I was talking about earlier where you show just a little bit and then you show a little bit more and a little bit more and then slowly you start to reconnect with who it really is and the things that really matter to you and sometimes it takes making a lot of mistakes I was I was writing something this morning actually about in my first year of business I made a bit of a promise to myself to say yes to everything. So literally every pitch, every offer that came in my inbox, I said yes, even though it terrified me. Mm. And that it worked really well for me, not because all those opportunities turned into something valuable because they didn't, but because it gave me very quickly a real sense of what was wrong and what was right. And I, I learned what my gut instinct was shouting at me in some of these situations that I went against and said yes and that was a really good way for me to like turn up the volume on that voice Mm. and get really good at listening to it oh I love that yeah that's so true true okay the second question is is there anyone who you recommend we check out who is making an everyday difference in their online work oh my gosh I could give you so many (laughs) (laughs) um uh, Jen Carrington is always a huge inspiration to me. Mm. Uh, Sass Petherick on Instagram and in her newsletters shares all kinds of wonderful things. Um, Laura Thomas, PhD, talks around uh, intuitive eating and against the diet culture industry, mm. which is huge and is something I'm, I'm really passionate about at the moment. 
um, Rabbi Eshi flourished. Yeah. Uh, these are all British people, so I apologize to any of you international mm-hmm. listeners. They're just kind of the ones that are springing to mind right now. But um, in fact, just go through the people I follow on Instagram <laughs> and, and check them all out because if I'm following them, it's because they're doing something wonderful. So I realized when I was editing this episode that I totally forgot to ask Sarah where you can find her online. I'm sure you're already following her, but if you're not, then she is amazing on Instagram. She is at me underscore and underscore Orla. And her website is meandorla.co.uk. Her book and her podcast are both called Hashtag Authentic. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.